0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 390. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakshaw. Hey, Kevin. All right. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be reviewing Julia Hart's I'm Your Woman, available now on Amazon Prime, along with someone watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases on VOD and Blu ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be very helpful. Quick housekeeping bit we are going to be recording the new episode of saved by the 90s uh we're going to do another made for tv christmas and i cannot wait the four movies that we have lined up for this year are incredible i haven't watched them all yet but the two that i have watched so far are absolutely incredible so be sure to stay tuned for that it'll probably be dropping next week sometime but keep an eye on the socials as i'll uh announce that I think we can jump into our review talking about I'm your woman. This is uh, directed by Julia Hart co-written by Julia Hart and Jordan Horowitz. I have a synopsis here In, in this 1970s set crime drama. A woman is forced to go on the run after her husband betrays her, his partners, sending her and her baby on a dangerous journey. And what a journey it is. Kevin, we'll start it with you. What were your initial impressions of I'm your woman?
1: wow what a journey <laughs> uh, I was I had to say I, I was i was pretty excited about this because number one I didn't even know about this movie at all until you told me about it and second I thoroughly enjoyed Fast Color I thought that was a really underrated movie from last year so I was pretty excited for this plus to find out you know it's a 70 set crime drama and it's Filmed in Pittsburgh, so I mean, come on, it sounds pretty fantastic.
0: It's checking all right? those boxes
1: it's checking so many boxes, right um and it starts off and think the way that you know it starts off kicks off right, and just like every little uh little d- aspect of this world is fully realized like it it feels like the seventies, so I'm pretty excited right off the bat because I'm like damn they got they got the look between the house the clothes everything like the the production design here is pretty incredible in this movie um, there's it's interesting in some ways um, this is the way in which the things that she decides to focus on as this story unfolds there's some interesting choices mm-hmm. um, but like the actual you know the the experience of sitting with it and watching it unfold is there's not a whole lot here for me, unfortunately. And this is a movie that isn't not only is it like unmemorable for me and forgettable, it felt like I was forgetting it as I was watching (laughs) it. Like it wasn't sticking. Like it was just, it was happening in another room and I, you know, and I wasn't like on my phone or anything. I was, I was glued to the TV the whole time, but it just like, it was not sticking. Like it was not getting through.
0: Yeah. I, I, I had the exact same problem. It was not engaging me at all. That initial engagement was there. Uh, I, I love seventies set crime thrillers. I mean, I, I pretty much anything that's set in the seventies. I'm kind of into already. Um, uh, but And they did nail the aesthetic like the it does. It looks really good. The music choices are pretty standard, but also they work for the most part. The production design, the look of the houses and all of that stuff, the fashion, it's all there like that. They they did a really good job with that. Uh, I'm in complete agreement with you on that as well. But yeah, the it just it slowly started losing me. I'm really in the first act. I mean, like the first it, it, it starts off strong, but it just so quickly loses steam and I was really struggling like to to understand like what was going on or even care about what was going on and it just felt so I want to say dull. Like it just felt so dull to me. Like I just there was there was some sort of disconnect and I think that this is an interesting movie in that I think that the reason that made it something somewhat unique is also the reason that I found myself becoming disconnected from it. And that's the yeah. perspective. Yeah. So in this movie and we've seen, we've seen other movies sort of do this. I think like maybe that movie, the kitchen, I didn't see the kitchen, but it's kind of a, a similar thing. And then like, uh, and the, widows kind of deals with it but also with with widows they show the the cause of you know the event that occurs that that causes them to have to be forced to take action but in this movie the perspective is squarely planted on uh Rachel Brosnahan as Gene mm-hmm. and so everything that we're getting all the information so just to back up a step, her husband is involved in some kind of mob stuff. And she knows, like, very little. It's They sort of have this agreement where, you know, he keeps her out of, out of that life, and she's just sort of comfortably oblivious to what he does for a living. She thinks he's the thief, but that's really all she knows. She doesn't know too much about his backstory or where... He, you know, what what his day-to-day life is. And one night, uh, she, uh, someone comes to, a, a group of his partners come to her house and basically whisk her away and say, you got to leave. Like, we don't know where your husband is. You got to leave. Something happened. Something went down. So we're sort of left in the dark. And the amount of information that we get is the same amount that she gets. So it never, we don't, we never really see what happened. We never see any thing that caused this to go down. And I think it's, it's interesting in a way because it's focuses on like the mob wife, essentially where she's getting bits and pieces of it, but never quite knows what's going on and everything she's forced to be reactive to everything. And all of this, she she doesn't understand what's going on throughout most of the movie, but because of that, um, I, I was just really struggling because most of the movie is just her fleeing from things and her baby crying nonstop.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much that, and I agree with you that it, I I see what you're saying, and I completely agree, and. In the sense that the the aspect of this that makes it somewhat interesting, the fact that, you know, she gets no information. We're essentially thrust into her shoes and we kind of get the information as she's getting the information. Like that is, that's an interesting way of going about this. But yeah, I don't know if it really fully works because the information that we do get throughout the movie isn't that enthralling, really. And, you know, to the kind of, to maintain this level of like, you know, slowly eking it out over the course of the duration. It's just like, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say mundane information, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not that compelling of a story that's like eked out. Now, the only thing that I did, another aspect of this that I did find interesting, but again, almost became a knock against this movie is She's thrust into the the care of Cal, who's this person that she's never met. He's kind of like a bodyguard. And it's his job to, to take her from the house and he's gonna take care of her and you know find a place for her to stay until everything blows over, they get the information, all that stuff, right? So it ends up becoming this like odd couple road movie. And I like how that interaction, like that relationship developed in the sense of his wife getting into the mix and his family and like this is like their sole job and the fact that she is i think even at one point she was like oh like this is so terrible you have no idea and terry Cal's, uh wife is like oh no no it's not that bad like i i found that interesting that she's centering herself in the story in that like it's not that bad for her outside of you know she had to leave her house but she still has a shit ton of money everyone's like waiting handling photo for her caring for a baby that's not even hers but again like and that's what it came down to is that i felt like the cal and terry story was far more interesting i would have much rather watch that movie
0: yeah i mean you know
1: kind of like what happened to them to get to where they are now
0: right Yeah, and and that's kind of the thing is that like the movie hints at greater things, but you never get to experience any of that stuff. Like you you know you hear about certain characters getting killed, or you 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 you, you witness a shootout, but you only hear it. And I think that that was certainly a stylistic choice, and it was a bold one in a lot of ways. But as a result, at least for me. It made the movie feel a bit lacking when, you know, a large portion of the movie is them on the road talking, her just, you know, freaking out, being upset over this situation, trying to collect herself, trying to take care of the baby. And then you have something that occurs like a little bit of action, but it's all off screen. It's all, you know, and again, like the way that there's like a, there's a shootout, a shooting that occurs and the way that it was shot was very good. Um, but at the same time I was just like, what's going on here? Like, why are they doing this? Like, why is this shooting occurring? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand what's even happening here. Why this is, why this is happening? Why is this club getting shot up? And so I just constantly felt that, that disconnect. and. I agree with you that, that the Cal character is probably the most interesting. Cal and his wife, Terry, um, played by Orinze uh, Kenne and Marcia Stephanie Blake. Those, I think, were the two most compelling characters. And the way that they set it up, he, it's like, okay, you're going to give Cal 10 grand and then he's going to take you here and he's going to protect you. He's, he's going to stay with you. But then he sets her up and he leaves and he's gone. And then he comes back and saves her, and then he goes away again and it's like well, he's not doing a very good job here; <laughs> he's just leaving her and i yeah, and I, and, it and and it I wanted it I wanted it to, sorry I wanted it to be more of that where he is actually protecting her and I liked the whole family dynamic too like when the when uh when the family got involved when like uh Frankie Faison comes into the mix because I like him a lot too.
1: Yeah. But I mean, once you you figure out the relationships with everyone, it kind of makes sense why Cal's not really that interested in, <laughs> in protecting her. Yeah. Which is, again, which is something that I found interesting because in all of this, Jean's, you know, like she's, she's seeing herself as the center of all this. You know, she's centering herself as the as the story, as the the main focal point, where everyone else is kind of like, you know, we just have to do this to protect our lives. You're an asshole, and she is for for the most part. And I, but the thing that that kind of got me too is that it takes this turn because Jean's having this this difficulty of being alone. She's never been alone, even though it seems like she's alone all the time because Eddie her her husband you know, the, the career criminal, it seems like he's never around. So she's having a really difficult time. And of course she's having a difficult time with the baby and everything and being around this, this family and seeing this family dynamics, it seems like she's, she's kind of learning, you know, how things should be She's kind of coming to this realization and you're like, okay, well, where's this going to lead to? And essentially what it leads to is like her overarching development is, like learning how to use a gun and then using a the gun once. And that's about it. Which just
0: felt really like
1: I I don't know. It's just like, okay. That's it. That's that's where you that's where you this character ended up.
0: I just wasn't very compelled with Rachel Rachel Brosnan's character. I just didn't I didn't feel any kind of like attachment to Gene, no. the character. I felt a much stronger attachment to Cal and Terry and it, it that's why it was so disappointing when like we spent large sections of the movie like not with them. Yeah. And it's like, what now I don't want, I, I want to, uh, when they leave, I want the camera to follow them. Not, not Jean. I don't care about what Jean's doing right now.
1: Yeah. Cause we you know what Jean's doing. She's doing it, making eggs. <laughs> it's crying, <laughs> crying in a laundromat. <laughs> She keeps breaking, breaking the yolks, and it's like, you're dropping the egg from way too high. Like, why are you dropping the egg from that high?
0: Well, she does say that she's a terrible cook, so.
1: Just But you've done it like 20 times in a row. Just lay the egg in there. Crack it, and then lay it in there. Well,
0: it seems like that's like, like all she working. can make is eggs, and she still fails yeah. at that, too.
1: <laughs> and toast. She has a toaster. And still, man, come on.
0: Yeah, uh overall I was just really disappointed with this. I it was a real struggle for me to stay engaged with it and I think that it is overall a a, a, fr- a pretty forgettable experience. Um you have Marceline Hugo in there and she's introduced early on. She's she plays Evelyn this like neighbor and I think that after that scene was when it started l- to lose me a little bit. Like what transpired after Evelyn yeah. left the picture. Yeah. Uh, because by that point, like when they introduced the Evelyn character, like she was pretty creepy. And there was like that one scene when she was like poking her mm-hmm. head down over the st- the stairs. And you're just like, Oh man, what is going on with this Evelyn character? Like something's, something's happening here. And by that point I was still like, Pretty engaged with it. But then, like, I just feel like after that, after they hit the road again, it just, that's when it kind of devolves for me.
1: Yeah. And I, I agree with you because I thought the same thing is there was something going on here because she's like, Oh, my friends used to live here. And then she's like, Where's your bathroom? And even Jean's like, mm-hmm. You said your friends used to live here. She's like, Oh, uh-huh. so yeah, it lost me after that. But the, the thing that kind of brought me back a little bit was the introduction of Terry. And Frankie Vaizan playing art, you know, the, the Cal's family comes into the mix because, again, Jean starts making this realization that, like, her husband's a pretty awful dude. And she's kind of coming to this realization that maybe she isn't the center of this story, you know, that other people have it much worse off than she does. But then to take that to the progression and the ending of her getting to be the hero and save everyone just felt like it completely undermined all that work yeah which was interesting and then you just made it you know like any other movie where someone saves the day at the end and we have to drive off and reefer franklin's button yeah wonderful
0: yeah i just i feel like there was so like the movie felt like it was working against itself a lot and it resulted in just a Pretty poor experience for me overall, unfortunately. Yeah. I really wanted I really wanted to like it.
1: Same. I do want to point out something before I forget about it, because there was one thing outside of the production design that I thoroughly enjoyed in this movie. And that is the the score from Asuka Oh yeah. Matilima. But like it's kind of like this um, kind of like this
0: classic Piano type yeah, music. Yeah, it, it, it almost the time. yeah, it almost feels Hitchcockian at times. There's this but like. There's also this
1: element of the, like discordant modern aspects to it. It's this. It I don't for whatever reason it, it really really worked for me.
0: Yeah, I li- I like the score too uh, quite a bit. I'm glad you brought that up. There was a really great dolly shot in this movie too. Um, there's there's a scene where they're all they're outside and they're like. Getting in the car, and there's this really great dolly shot that's utilized, and I liked that a well, lot too.
1: And I liked some of the you know the the seventies era camera work, you know the the slow pull out. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's always a, a decent number of seventies movies have this. The main one I can think of is I think Scarecrow is the slow pull out where it's focused on the characters in a mirror inside of an apartment store. That seems to be such a 70s thing.
0: I love it. I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see that more in every movie.
1: I know. I, I enjoy it, too. And it's such a simple thing, but as soon as you see it, you're just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff.
0: That's great. Yeah. Uh, overall, I just... Uh feeling a little bit meh about I'm your woman unfortunately and I kept forgetting the title too I kept having to look up mm-hmm. look it up because I kept forgetting the name of the movie that I was like in the middle of watching so yeah uh, anyway what are you thinking on i'm your woman out of ten it's like a five i think yeah uh it's pretty much right down the middle for me to just uh it had it had some promising aspects of it but Mm-hmm. Overall, I feel like there was more working against it, unfortunately, and I and it's a movie that I just don't feel like I'll remember too much of. No,
1: no, and it feels like a movie that that really it has those interesting aspects, but anytime it starts to like veer into that avenue where you kind of get like excited, like you said, it it works against itself where it like almost course corrects to come back to like just a standard type mode of storytelling. And it's like, no, you—you you were going into an interesting area there. Like, why would you turn back?
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's available on Amazon Prime. So if you have a Prime membership, you can uh, watch it on there. All right, let's move on and talk about someone watching. I think it's your turn this week, Kevin. What do you got on your uh, list? I have two. Uh, the first
1: one is a Netflix movie, System Crasher, from this year. Directed by Nora uh, Fingscheid, this is a German movie about a about a nine-year-old girl named Benny who uh, she's she's kind of disturbed. She has some issues, mostly some rage issues, and I'm not even just a rage issues. She's just a she's a very intense kid. And first things first, the performance from uh, Helena Zingle, who plays Benny. This might be, like, one of the best, like, child performances that I've seen, at least that I've seen in recent memory, right? But this might go down as, like, an all-timer. Because, I mean, she's she's pretty magnetic in this movie. So much so that she pretty much carries this. Because this is, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, predictable. Like, if you've seen any movie about, you know, a kid, like, going through the system... Now it's a little bit different because it's the German system, so it you know might be a little bit foreign, but for the most part, it seems like it plays out much like the American system um, out, except for the fact that it seems like there's more people like on the side of the the children compared to the American system. but it's somewhat predictable uh it's uh the extreme downer because it kind of like lifts you up and then smashes you down and then lifts you up and then smashes you down like over and over mm. to, you know, through the course of the 118 minutes. So, and then you kind of get used to this, um, you kind of get used to this cycle where like anytime something good is like things, you know, you see things that are kind of turning for Benny's benefit or things are looking up. It's like at a certain point, you just know that that's not going to happen. It's, it's something that's gonna be terrible, and then something's terrible and but Benny the character never really sees it that way. She's always kind of she always kind of has this hope, even though that she is a very damaged individual at the age of nine and she has these rage issues. so in that sense it's it's a decent movie, it's not bad um, but again, the performance from Helena's angle really elevates this. Takes it into something else, and it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, it's not that special of a movie, but the performance is so special that I would say definitely watch this to see her performance.
0: Okay, and that's System Crasher. And that's on Netflix, so you can check it out on there. Uh, I only saw really one that I can talk about this week, and that is Mank. Uh, I. St- Watched most of it last Sunday, but then I had to stop because we were recording. Uh, this is directed by David Fincher. I'm sure that you're all familiar with this. It's on Netflix. And it, it follows the biopic. that follows the life of Herman J. Mankiewicz, who is the screenwriter of Citizen Kane. And it follows him as he is writing the script for citizen Kane. And what it does is it, it flashes back to previous moments in his life. The things that led up to him writing the screenplay for, for uh, citizen Kane. You have Gary Oldman in here. He does a great job as, as always. He, he plays mank. And then you have a uh, really good cast of supporting characters. Amanda Seyfried's in there. Lily Collins, uh, Arliss Howard. Good, good cast. Uh, the movie, I think, overall is pretty bland, and I would never watch it again. It's uh, it's fairly long; it's over two hours long. And mm. the one the one thing that it has going for it is the aesthetic. Uh, the way that Fincher recreates the '30s style black and white film is maybe the best I've ever seen. I mean he just does such a good job with like the title cards and the sound. I mean, that's, that's one of the big things is like when you see movies like old Hollywood movies, uh, everything has, everything sounds a little echoey, you know, like soundstage, mm-hmm. even, even when they're like outside, it sounds kind of echoey, like they're on a soundstage and he recreates that in this. And I mean, it just sounds so of the era, uh, Maybe more so than any of these, uh, any other movie that I've ever seen that tries to mimic that style. Uh, same with the the visuals. I mean, the the black and white visuals are really top notch, and just like the the various um, like filters and things that he uses. Like he even adds in like the the um, the real change marks, you know, in the upper right corner where uh, you're you splice in the next reel he adds that stuff in so visually it's like incredible um but content wise it's uh your it's a pretty straightforward biopic that's just not very interesting it's largely just conversations between characters and those conversations in and of themselves are not particularly compelling to begin with i think that i mean i i like movies that 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 tackle Old Hollywood, and even for me, this one was a struggle to keep me to keep me engaged in it so i I can understand why a lot of people do like this movie on a on a lot of different levels great performances, great visuals, and it's it's still kind of fun and light and very snappy. The dialogue's very snappy, so I'd say that the script is quite good it's just that I wasn't really into the character of mank and I didn't really care about the various conversations that they were having throughout the movie. So on as a whole, I would say it didn't necessarily work for me.
1: Yeah. I just, uh, I remember when like this was announced and then when it came out, I just remember like staring at it and being like, well, "Who who is this for? Like, why is this, why is this a thing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it boils down to just Netflix, you know, just giving a director a bunch of money and saying, do whatever you want. And that's. And,
1: <laughs> and I just love, I love imagining Netflix in that situation being like, okay, David Fincher, you know, you've done a number of movies, well loved, well respected. Uh working to just throw money on you. you. Do whatever you want. And then he comes back with this. And it's just <laughs> like, are you what?
0: Well, I I feel like the, the <laughs> who wants this? I feel like maybe they they felt the same way about um, you know Charlie Kaufman and and his I can't remember the name of it, the one he just did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just like is that is that what's happening? Is this, this is just like directors like fucking with Netflix? But I I just I don't I don't get it sometimes. Where it's like, you get to do whatever you want. I'm going to make a biopic about, you know, screenwriter Mankiewicz. <laughs> Why? No one wants that.
0: Well, they also did, they made a movie about it already. It, it was an HBO movie. I think it was called, like, oh shit, what was it called? Like RKO something, like RKO 281 or something like that. But it's basically, it's kind of the same movie.
1: Yeah yeah it just it sounds terrible i'm not watching Man. I'm
0: never watching Man. yeah I mean, I don't blame you you're not you're really not gonna you know it's it's like maybe watch like five minutes of it just to see the aesthetic and just 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 I mean, to yeah, just to enjoy it. what he did with the visuals
1: yeah <clears throat> speaking of visuals uh I watched the movie this is uh available on movie called Cemetery, directed by Carlos Casas. This is kind of a, a little bit of an experimental film. Uh, it's broken up into four parts. And from the outset, is, the way it's introduced is it talking about the fabled um, elephant graveyard and how poachers are trying to find this elephant graveyard, you know, just a, a wealth, a wealth of ivory, okay? So this is, and then the movie drops you in Sri Lanka. There's an elderly elephant. He's on his way out, and there's, there's a guy that's caring for him. He is kind of just you know, it's kind of like their day to day, what they do. Um, him going through the forest, you know, getting leaves and stuff, and making these like little, I guess like power balls for the elephant or something. He, he mashes up all these leaves into this like paste in, like, ball form and then feeds it to the elephant. Just, you know, him taking care of the elephant. Elephant laying in the water and him, you know, scrubbing his skin, just washing him down. And it's just it's extremely soothing. I don't know if it's just timing and just, in a sense, like the visuals, because it's this incredible Sri Lankan, like, rainforest, and the cinematography is just incredible. This beautiful animal, just a majestic elephant, and just everything like the pace of it, just the overall vibe of it, right? It's just incredibly soothing. And then, you know, like the second, the second part of it is the elephant kind of, you know, making its way towards this fabled graveyard, where, you know, where it goes to to die, to end its life, and the third section is about a group of poachers, you know, trying to track this elephant. And it's just it's all very dreamlike. Incredible landscapes. I mean, it just worked. It was just hitting all the right buttons at this at this point in time. The the time that I watched it, apparently this is exactly what I needed. And that's kind of, you know, you can't really um Account for that in terms of you know watching films and criticism or whatever the hell it is that we do. Like sometimes you just you stumble upon a movie and you're like okay this is what I'm gonna watch and it turns out that that's the exact fucking thing that you needed at that moment in time. Like maybe if I watched this at any other time I'd be like okay it's fun like an elephant and give it like two and a half stars. But mm, on that day, cemetery. Hitting all the spots.
0: I like the posters. Some,
1: I mean, some incredible landscapes, man. Just incredible. It felt like a, another thing too, and this is something that we forgot. I forgot to mention when we talked about, uh, uh, oh, the is it called, uh, Is the sound design in Cemetery and that movie too? So they did a phenomenal job where it sounds like you're in the forest. Like the, the way in which they got mm-hmm. sounds you know on like the left channel, the right channel, and then in certain distances on the center channel, you know it sounds like you're in the middle of the forest and you're, like you're hearing all these sounds around you. I mean phenomenal work in both of
0: those movies. All right, let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week, shall we? We got paint, Dare to dream. this is a uh, like an ensemble piece about a bunch of artists living in New York City struggling to sell their first painting. Mm. Sounds like one for, for you. Oh. No, no thank you. No. Uh, the Last Sermon is coming out. It's a documentary. We got The Last Blockbuster too. So we got The Last Sermon and The Last Blockbuster. The Last Blockbuster is obviously a documentary about blockbuster video and the uh, the one that remains, I think it's in Oregon. if I remember correctly. Okay. Uh, we have the Curse of Hobbs House. It's a horror movie. T- Pride and Prejudice and Zombies meets Twenty Eight Days Later. So
1: I'm sorry. What?
0: That's what it says here. So zombie <clears> movie meets a zombie movie. Nice. Good, good job, guys. Double zombie movie. Breaking surface. This this is... What is this? Horror movie, maybe? A few days after Christmas, half-sisters Ida and Tuva set out on a winter dive in a remote part of the Norwegian coastline. Towards the end of the dive, a rock slide traps Tuva underwater. As Ida yeah. surfaces to call for help, she discovers that the rock slide has struck above water as well, burying their equipment, phones, and car keys. They're completely cut off from any chance of outside rescue and it's a frantic race for survival. Hmm. Seems like one for me, so maybe I'll give that a look. Uh, also on the 15th we have Army of One. They left her for dead. Big mistake. Hmm. Always is. Special Forces former Special Forces Officer Brenner, Brenner Baker and her husband stumble upon an illegal drug compound. And they kill her husband and she comes after them for revenge.
1: You don't ever leave people to die. You kill them and you check the pulse and yeah. then you leave. It literally takes
0: like five seconds. Brenner Baker. Kind of name. Quite a character name. We got Hunter Hunter. Uh, IFC is putting this out. The stars Devin Sawa and Nick Stahl. Oh yeah? It's about a family living in the wilderness as, Living as fur trappers And Devin is oh. Like the dad And uh There's some kind of predator They're tracking some kind of Animal, wolf mm-hmm. And then a, mis- and a, a Mysterious man shows up He's been no, injured no. Left for dead Ah, uh, werewolf Nick Stalls that man. I don't I don't know. I, judging from the trailer, it doesn't look like it's a werewolf thing. It's a werewolf. But they shot the wolf and then he shows up. He's like, ah. Been injured. And that's on and the 18th. Like, health,
1: yeah.
0: uh, also on the 18th we have Greenland from the producer of John Wick. Gerard Butler in Greenland. This is another uh, disaster flick. Oh yeah? Yeah, Gerard Butler just seems to be that's like that's his thing. That. That's that's his thing now. It's just a disaster yeah. flicks. We've got Sister of the Groom, starring Alicia Silverstone. Big Sister, bigger problems. Uh, Skylines is coming out. I had to actually look this up because I wasn't sure. This is actually the third Skylines movie. I think the, uh, the other ones oh, were just called know. Skyline. Like Skyline, Skyline 2. I remember Skyline 2 was like the was like a big deviation from the first one. Like I remember the first one was sort of a big budget disaster flick, sci-fi disaster flick almost. And then the second one was like, uh, the, like the, the guys from the raid were in it and it was like a much, much more like action heavy. Mm -hmm. And now this is the third one. Don't know what this one's going to entail. It's got a cool poster. I like the poster. Uh, I think that that is it for VOD on Blu ray this week. we got Tenet coming out. If you haven't seen Christopher Nolan's Tenet yet, now's the time. Now's the time to get it in 4K Ultra HD. Watch it on your 13 inch laptop screen. Yes. Uh, Tremors is coming out in 4K. Arrow is putting this yeah. out. Hell, yeah! Hell yeah. Limited edition 4K release Tremors. Love it. Love the cover. It's got a really cool cover. I will definitely be picking this up. Uh, let's see. The Curse of Frankenstein from 1957. Ip Man, the complete collection. Is it though? <laughs> Something tells me that it is not the complete collection. <clears throat> it has all 47 Ip Man? See, that's the thing. It only has four of them. Well, that's not, that's not, that's a lie. We know that it's, it's the complete collection of that one series of it. The The, the Don, the Donnie Yen one. Uh, We have, yeah, we have Vigilante from 1982. It's getting a 4k release. Interesting. Um, let's see. Spirited Away from 2001 is getting some sort of steel book. It looks like there's a bunch of uh, Studio Ghibli stuff getting getting Steelbook versions. S- uh, Castle in the Sky is also getting uh, Steelbook. Doo-doo-doo. The Beach House from earlier this year. Give that a light recommend. That's on Shudder if you want to check it out on there. Uh, from Up on Poppy Hill from 2011. Another Studio Ghibli. Uh, Blood Sisters from 1987. Gun Crazy from 1992. That's com- coming out on the MVD Rewind Collection. It's with Drew, Drew Barrymore. Never even heard of that movie. Bodies Rest in Motion from 1993. American Rickshaw from 1989. This is a Cauldron Films release. American Rickshaw. American Rickshaw. I've never heard of this movie, but now I really want to see it. A Miami college student finds himself framed for the murder of an evangelist's son. He hooks up with an Asian witch and a stripper to find the real killer and clear his name. It's uh, directed by Sergio Martino, so yeah, I'm definitely gonna put that on my watch list.
1: This sounds insane.
0: (laughs) American Rickshaw, yeah. That is... Definitely going on the watch list.
1: Oh my god! After a stripper tricks him into filming a sex tape,
0: Scott Edwards, a Miami rickshaw runner, a Miami rickshaw runner. It, it almost what? feels like it's a big trouble in Little China ripoff or something. I don't know, man. I gotta, wow. I gotta see this though. We have a loan from earlier this year. The call from earlier this year. Uh, Maniac from 1980 looks like it's getting some kind of new 4K restoration Uh, let's see Don't Look Back from earlier this year Call Me Brother from earlier this year that's a comedy with uh, one of the new guys from SNL look look not great Uh, Paint The Last Sermon Hello World Here On Out from last year Shortcut and that's about it. What about Criterion's American Rickshaw?
1: <laughs> I can't. I can't
0: move past it. I can't move past that movie. Actually, I'm gonna add. Uh, that. I'm gonna add that to my list right now, so I don't forget it.
1: Let's everyone pause for about ten minutes, so you can make the necessary adjustments in your life to remind yourself of American Rickshaw. Or at this moment, just stop listening and start watching American Rickshaw. But there is one Criterion, that's a Morris Paris from 2000, getting the old Criterion. And this has a bunch of new stuff, by the way, new conversations, a couple of them, the, one with the, the director, the director and the actors, a new interview with the composer, a new video essay, a new documentary on the film with uh, behind the scenes footage. New subtitle translation, all sorts of
0: stuff on this guy. That's exciting. It's been forever since I've seen that movie. I really loved it back in the day. Oh yeah, I remember when we first saw that. We lost our fucking blown movie. away. Just absolutely blown away. I mean, this when 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 did that come out? Like two thousand or somewhere around there. Two thousand. Yeah. yeah. I mean that that was like right when we were starting to get heavy into into cinema. You know, and oh, yeah. and that was just like just so incredible. So I, I'd like to revisit it. I mean, I know that it's such a downer.
1: Fucking blew our minds. Yeah, just fucking walk around like, hey, are you even foreign cinema? <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of Mexican cinema? <laughs>
0: oh my god. Alright, yeah, so absolutely check that out Um, I think that's gonna do it for this week Thank you so much for listening, you can send your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin and if you have a minute, consider giving us a review on iTunes, that would be super helpful For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson We'll see you next week